Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I'm joined by the great Barry Trammell. Barry, how are you doing? Because we have a lot of exciting things to talk about. The Thunder won last night. Can I be honest, Michael? I'm not sure I've come down from the emotional uh, high of last night. You know, it's been it's been a long time since we've had a a uh, a postseason game like that. You know, two straight years, no postseason. The third one was a bubble game. The post Durant playoff games were interesting and great and all of that stuff, but. Last night felt a whole lot like the old days when, you know, playing Memphis in all those overtimes or or the uh, the battles even in 2011 with Denver in the first round, which were really tight games. And it just it just sort of had an old old feeling to me. And maybe it was the newness of being back in the postseason. But I enjoyed the heck out of that ballgame. It was a wide range of emotions for me. I felt very confident they were going to win and lose at the same time throughout the game but the Thunder pull out a win 123 to 118 over the New Orleans Pelicans they're the second 10 seed ever to win a play-in game only after the Bulls did it earlier that day yeah it was uh is uh I listened I was actually at a function listened to the end of that Bulls game on the radio and I thought man this is this is a little bit better than what we've been getting in the first round of the play-in and then of course, I think the Thunder, I think that was the highlight because the one thing about last night, the game was well played. I mean, the Thunder has, what is it, seven turnovers. The uh, the Pels have nine. Um, both teams played well. Both teams, you know, made a lot of big plays. You look at that that Laker-Timberwolf game from, from Tuesday night. I think the fourth quarter was 19 to 12. Just not very good basketball. But both teams... Played well last night, I thought, and really had to scrape and, and fight and, and find some solutions to uh, to get the jump on the other, and the Thunder came out on top. But I I just thought it was a really good NBA game. Yeah, it was. Here's, cl- how, here's how good it was, Michael. 196, fourth quarter. C.J. McCollum sinks a three-pointer from the corner with eight, I think it was 824 left in the game until – that from that point until 12 seconds left, the biggest lead for either team was two points. So it was a two-point game, really, the last eight and a half minutes. So just incredible drum, incredible drum. That's what you love to see, crunch time basketball. But let's start from the very beginning. Lou Dort, who's a guy who's been, you know, a very interesting topic of conversation for Thunder fans, Thunder Media, and everybody in between, but he came out and threw out the first punch. And the Thunder really rode the wave of momentum off his back because he started incredibly well. He had 12 of uh, Thunder's 14, first 14 points. You know, and New Orleans was scoring, dominating the boards, all those things. I mean, if Dort hadn't come, you know, ready to charge up San Juan Hill, no telling what kind of uh, hole the Thunder might have been in. But, you know, no matter to what degree you like Dort, most. Only idiots don't like him, but there are some people that, you know, not as sold on him as others. But the guy plays unbelievable, unbelievable defense, which we'll get to. But in big games, he wakes up ready to go. And he's not, 
He's not fearful. He's not hesitant. He's not anything except this is a game that's sitting there to be won. Let's go win it. Two straight do-or-die games. Game seven of Houston in 2020. Now this playing game, Lou Dort's got 57 points. And, heck, I forgot what he shot against that Houston. But he had 30 points against Houston. Uh, sank a bunch of three-pointers last night. Same thing. Four of eight from three. 27 points. Eight of 14. Just really lifted the thunder. Put thunder on his back in that first quarter is what he did. And it's easy to say, well, you're just playing the results. He had a good shooting night. You know, it's just luck. It's variance. But watching him, it, I don't know about for you, but it felt different because he was just so much more decisive in his movements and the things that he was doing. He wasn't just settling. And his decision-making was better. You know, one thing, I think he had one drive where he sort of got out of control and had to, I can't remember if he threw the ball away or threw a bad shot up. But that's sort of been common for him this year. It's the one thing that sort of alarms me about his progression. It was a significant step back. That was not the case last night. He finished at the rim pretty well. He he passed off when necessary. He he was an improved player over what we saw. You know, we talk all the time about these guys who who don't rise to the moment. We don't have to name them. They're, everybody knows who they are. Lou Dort's the opposite. This is a guy that's all of a sudden proving he he he's ready for the moment in in big games. Yeah, his confidence is his biggest strength and biggest weakness in a lot of ways because there are games where he'll shoot you out of a game, but you love the confidence in a game like that where other guys, you know, second youngest team in NBA history, they're going to be some guys with some nerves. They've never been out there. Lou Dort is not one of those guys. He's going to go no. out there and shoot it like it's a practice. Yeah. And, of course, his defense is just unbelievable. Um, you know, Brandon Ingram scored 30 points. I think he had one shot that he was even within a mile of being open. And that that fourth quarter down the stretch, he got this fo own follow shot, just an easy layup. But all the shots he made, Dort was all over him, including that three-pointer, you know, with three seconds left. Um, Dort played as good a defense as you could play. Uh, so uh, Dort's defense was majestic, and his offense was, was equal to it last night. So just a great game by Lou Gantz Dort. Well, from the beginning of the game, I thought they were going to get kind of killed on the offensive boards by Valanchunas, but they really kind of flipped the switch in the second half. And then talking about defenders, I mean, Herb Jones from one half to the other, it, feel like, it felt like he figured out Shea in the first half, and then the tables completely turned at halftime. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I thought I thought Mark Dagnall did a good job of countering uh, the New Orleans defense. You know, the, the Pelicans have been consistent with double teaming, flooding Shea on the pick and roll. And uh, Dagnall did two things. One, he, he ordered up fewer pick and rolls, let Shea just go one-on-one. -on -one. And then he, uh, he used Giddy as the, uh, as the screener and a quick flare off. So when the, when the Pelts are going are gonna to double team, Giddy got to that middle area in the key. Uh, and if Shea could hit him with a pass, he's got about two seconds of four on three. And with if it's four on three and Giddy's got the ball, you're in pretty good shape because he generally puts it right where it needs to be. So uh, that, that sort of put the Pelicans on their heels and opened up a lot more lanes for Shea. And in the second half, of course, he was just spectacular. Um, attacking, shooting, all those things. He, what was he, 25, 
25 points in the in the uh in the uh second half mm -hmm. just just a wonderful game and he's uh let's see Shay's 8 of 12 shooting um you know he's he's it's really uncanny how whether it's a playoff game whether it's a big regular season game whether it's a, just a rum dum tuesday night against charlotte somewhere off if sga has a rough first half he almost always counters it with a good second half. So he never drops in one of those nine for 23 shooting games. You know, I was doing some research the other night and looked at Russell Westbrook's, uh, some of his games in that Houston series of 2017. And Russell was unbelievable in that series. I mean, he was fantastic. But he'd score, you know, I think he had 45 points one game. He was 17 of 43. If SGA ever shot 43 shots in a game, he'd have 65 points. I mean, so as uh, Gilgis Alexander just has this remarkable ability to get himself back right around the 500 shooting mark. Whether he's have, off to a good start or bad, doesn't matter. He's going to end up in a good space, and that's what happened last night. There were a handful uh, full of possessions where it did look like he was kind of forcing the issue and pressing, but overall... He really does let the game come to him. And I did think about you the other night during that game, watching it about, you know, he doesn't have two bad halves in a row. And then also talking to him after the Brooklyn Nets game, because I asked him, you know, they throw all types of defensive coverages at you. But the Nets, you know, they have some guys like Mikhail Bridges who can match you for size. And he said something to the extent of not to sound cocky, but I feel like I have an answer for every defense you can throw at me and I can figure it out. And it's like he got the test answers at halftime. Yeah. And that, you know, that, I forgot where it was in the second half, but that one drive where he, he pivots and, and twists and goes around a guy and then gets to the rim, and there's Valanchunas. So he goes up, goes under him and flips the ball up, spins it in. I mean, he's just a magician with the basketball. And Dagnall, after the game, said, you know, someone asked him about Shea, and his, his answer was very, uh, very helpful, I thought. He said he's instinctive. He's, he's got great instincts on a basketball court, and that's really it, right? He's a good athlete, but he's not a great athlete by NBA standards. He's a, you know, he, he's not weak. He's a strong player, but he's not incredibly strong. He's not, he's not a magician. I don't think dribbling, although he's a good dribbler. What is it? He just knows what to do and when to do it. And that's instant. He just, just seems to have that special something that makes him shine on a basketball court. Between his length, his pace, his basketball IQ, he's just kind of weaponized his body and his game into a one-of-one -one play style because there are other guys where you can say, well, the pace is sort of like Harden or it's sort of like this guy, but it's very, very hard to have a comp for Shea because he just, he is so different as a one-of-one -on -one type of player. I mean, Paul George talked about it on his podcast last week. He goes, you just, he's so hard to guard because you never know when he's going to stop and then start and over and over and over. But Shea in the second half was, unbelievable and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Brandon Ingram. Yeah, he's an 8-12 shooting. Key to the game, he got to the line eight times. You know, New Orleans didn't put him on the line in the first half. Thunder's not going to win a game without SGA on the foul line quite a bit. Now, that was not a good sign at halftime, but he got it going there in the second half and got there and, and got the job done. And, again, great. I think he had two turnovers. Giddy had two turnovers. That much ball handling, that much, uh, you know, 
flowing through offenses and to each only have two turnovers, very critical to that game. Unbelievable. And I like what you talked about with Giddy, with him in sort of that short rolling role. That's something we've seen from the Warriors for years with Draymond and Steph. Yeah, and then right. you have him get downhill and Josh is so big at 6'9", 6'10", that it's like he's at the uh, nail or even closer to the restricted area. And it's going to be a floater, a little jump hook, or he's tall enough and talented enough to fit the ball in any hole and get the ball to the corners and different cutters and shooters. So I was very excited to see that. I that's something I'd been clamoring for for a while, and it seems like Mark took the the right time to bust that out. Yes, and you know the the signature play, I guess, was that dunk to Santa Clara Williams, cutting mm-hmm. in on the baseline. But he also hit guys in the corner for threes, uh, drove himself. Sometimes they you know played off him, and he just went to the basket. And he's a really good decision maker. Sometimes he he makes passes that. You know, they're good passes for him, they're, but they're not a good pass for everybody, and they don't always connect. He's got a little bit, little Brett Favre in him, I'd say, you know. Um, but all in all, Giddy was just sensational. I mean, he was just unbelievable for a 20-year-old to produce like that. Yeah, he gets his career high in a playing game, 31 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, 1 away from a triple-double, but he was just awesome. He he punished the defenders on the Pelicans when they put anybody smaller on him, like a C.J. McCollum, and I tweeted this out last night, that Giddy's driving, it just has this snowball effect of like, once the first one happens and he can start to get rolling, he's just downhill all game, but sometimes it's the um, it's just the battle of getting him that first one. Yes. Um, he hasn't always finished great at the rim this year but he's finishing a lot better and um the stronger he gets the more he plays the more he's going to finish finish well i actually committed today what is i would probably have to i'd probably have to plead guilty to the unpardonable sin um i looked it up and i compared his numbers this season as a 20 year old Six foot eight point guard to another twenty year old six foot eight point guard, different era, but still, and that's Magic Johnson. And their season numbers are very similar. Um, I got it. You got uh, Magic seventeen point nine points, Giddy sixteen six. Magic seven point seven rebounds, Giddy seven point nine. Magic seven point three assists, Giddy six point two. Magic uh, 3.9 turnovers, Giddy 2.8. Magic 53% shooting, Giddy 48.2% shooting. So um, better numbers for Magic, but pretty close. Um, Yeah, Magic had the ball in his hands most of the game. Giddy doesn't because he shares with Shea. Magic also had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar playing with him, and most assuredly, uh, SGA, I mean, uh, Giddy does not, even though our man Arkansas Williams had a hook shot straight out of Kareem last night. But anyway, not, I'm not trying to say that Josh Giddy is the next Magic Johnson. I am trying to say direct comparison with age, direct comparison with position, and Josh Giddy does not come out looking silly compared to Magic Johnson. That's a very good sign. Absolutely. And like you talked about earlier, Josh is not the most athletic guy, but it's all upstairs. And in in a large case, you can say the same thing about Magic Johnson. He was a much better athlete than Josh, but 
90% of his game was upstairs as a thinker, as a basketball just savant. So there is a pass for guys like that. You've seen it with Jason Kidd and others who are not fantastic shooters, but they can still dominate a game with their pace and just their basketball IQ. Yes. Um, Giddy is a really good, he's a really good uh, cerebral point guard. Now, we haven't even talked about the most interesting thing I saw out of Josh Giddy last night. Let's get into it. <laughs> he was really, he was ready to lose his cool. He was ready to pick up swords and 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 demand that the Josh Richardson meet him at the midcourt for a duel at 20 paces. So um, I don't know how you felt. When I saw what happened on that play, my immediate thought was, this is great. Two foul shots for the Thunder. That's going to be a flagrant. Josh Giddy didn't see it that way. Of course, you can sort of understand it. He was ready. I've never seen him like that. Have you ever seen him like that? I mean, he was ready. He was ready to go, and Arkansas Williams had to grab him. Yeah, not to that from, extent I've seen him like that. Yeah, I mean, he was worked up. Um, it was a really dumb play by uh, by Josh Richardson. I mean, that's a tight game, fourth quarter, and you just give it give a team two free foul shots and the ball. I mean, that's that was not good. But feisty. Oh, J- Josh Giddy got feisty uh, here at the age of 20. Well, Josh is going to compete. We've seen this for – two years now is he's not afraid like much like we talked about with Dort he's going to attack guys he's going to go at them he's going to stand up for himself it's not like he's Trey Young size or something like that where he can't fight back I mean he's a he's a pretty big dude but speaking of those free throws between Shea Gideon Dort they went 21 of 23 from the line yeah it was fantastic you know Dort 77 percent this year Giddy 73 so 77 is pretty good 73s, you know, just okay, but they were very clutch. I mean, you know, the Dort hit two when they were up two with 10 seconds left. Giddy hit two, I forgot when, but in the last minute when they were protecting a one-point lead. So, um, well, in fact, you know, the biggest play of the game, the big, the, the two biggest plays of the game, um, Shea down one, drives, and goes in fairly in transition, goes all the way to the baseline, takes a little bump, makes that running baseline shot to give the Thunder the lead for good, come down, and uh, Dort hounds Ingram into about a 14-foot miss. Arkansas Williams grabs a rebound, and the Pelicans don't foul him. Big mistake. He shuffles the ball to Giddy, and he's fouled, and Giddy goes down up one and makes both foul shots. And so. Um, Exquisite, exquisite uh, performance at the line. The, the the foul shooting was symbolic of just total poise. I thought by the Thunder, thought Thunder was very poised, making all the right plays, uh, doing exactly what Mark Degnault wanted to do strategically. You know, in the last in the last uh, thirty seconds or so, down to when to foul, how to foul. Where to inbound Wendy inbound the Thunder looked like an exquisitely coached team. And sometimes when we talk about well-coached teams, we just harp on the coach. But sometimes it's hard to coach 20 and 21-year-olds. They just don't process the information as much. So I thought it was very impressive. Great coaching game by Dagnall. But also, I thought the Thunder really um, – sort of adapted to whatever their coach told them to do. They were a very coachable team last night, and it came off very impressive. 
Yeah, and Shea talked about that post-game uh, on the floor on ESPN where they asked him about, you know, quote-unquote, all the losing and stuff. And he goes, yeah, we have been losing the last couple of years, but we've been playing in a lot of tight games, especially this year, and we've had a lot of experience in crunch time games, and we just kind of doubled down on our good habits, and it came through tonight. And it's like, that is exactly like... Sam Presti should frame that in his office, just that clip of him talking about just being consistent with their work and it paying off because as much as it has been about maximizing draft assets by losing, it's been just as much about building good habits internally for nights like this. Yeah, and you know, we've, we've had to listen to that for the better part of three years. And it can get old. I understand it. Um, you know, Developing a culture, developing habits. Uh, playing the right way. Um, but the Thunder, without announcing it, this probably would have helped if they had just went to City Hall and got a got a megaphone and just told everybody, we're changing the way we play. We're going to spread everybody out. We're going to get a bunch of guys that can drive, hopefully can shoot, and that's the way, that's the way we're going to play. Nobody's going to be bouncing the ball for eight seconds and everybody eat their popcorn. We're either going to drive or we're going to kick or we're going to, you know, get rid of the ball. And when you're getting beat 114 to, to 96, it's hard to focus in and realize that's what they're doing. But now we see the fruits of those labors of the last two years and realize that, hey, with SGA, with uh, Giddy, now with Santa Clara Williams, they got guys that can, you know, that, that can penetrate and shoot and, and finish at the rim and do all kinds of pass. And they are playing much different than all those Thunder teams that we were so accustomed to that basically played isolation ball, you know, for two-thirds of a game, week after week, month after month, season after season. Yeah, and I think a lot of fans aren't on board yet knowing that's what's going on. It's almost like when OU football went from the wishbone and then transitioned and like a bunch of years later, they get the air raid offense with Mike Leach. And it's like, yeah, these you go. These are two completely different sports and teams. And the Thunder, that's how they're playing right now is yeah. just no iso ball guy. Any five guys can take the ball off the rim and bring it up and play point guard play center i saw a funny tweet last night where it said congratulations you forced the thunder into a switch you go from one six six guy with a seven foot wingspan to another six six guy with a seven foot wingspan yeah that's right that's exactly right so uh just a fun game golly what a fun night at the corral and um i'd have said the same thing even if you know new orleans had come out on top but it's always it's always funner to win Absolutely. Definitely more fun to win. And then just last couple of things here. Wanted to talk about the both Jalen Williams, um, Arkansas Jalen uh, Williams, Jay Will. He was a plus 20 last night, which didn't really meet the eye test. You know, obviously he couldn't shoot it very well. A one for seven from three. He did hit that hook shot. But what did you think about his overall game? I thought both Jalen Williamses were in the same boat, which is they both played exceptionally well and shot it incredibly poorly. We've come to trust Arkansas to make, you know, 40% of his threes. We've come to expect Santa Clara to play an all-around excellent offensive game. That didn't really happen. Arkansas 1-7 from three. Santa Clara 0 for 5 from three. Together, they make 7 of 23 shots. But, man, they did everything else. I mean, Arkansas Williams had eight rebounds and eight assists. I mean, that's... He's not, you know, he's driving a little bit down Jokic territory doing that kind of stuff. 
No, he, and then he had eight points. So he had, he had a triple eight is what he had. And then, uh, you know, Santa Clara's defense on McCollum was just, he basically took McCollum out of the game. And they really didn't, you know, he was sort of a non-factor. And in fact, you look at, uh, there were three three Pelicans. Herbert Jones and Trey Murphy both shot more shots than C.J. McCollum did. So, uh, and with minimal fouls, McCollum got to the line twice, shot four foul shots, got there twice. So, I thought Santa Clara was really good at everything except putting the ball in the basket. And the same with Arkansas. And I don't know what happened after the first three minutes. After the first three minutes, I thought Thunder was going to get beat, you know, 30 points. And Valanciunas was going to have 42 rebounds and 51 points. He he, he uh, scores uh, their first three baskets all on, on offensive rebounds. And it did not look like the Thunder had an answer. Uh, either New Orleans was going to make the shot or it's gonna, they're going to miss and Valanciunas was going to rebound it and put it back. But the Thunder found a way to push him out, keep him off the boards. His, uh, he still got a bunch of rebounds, I think, what, 18 rebounds. But, you know, the second chance points, the putbacks, all that crept lower and lower. Ended up the Thunder had, uh, I think, one more second chance points, 24-23, I believe it was. Uh, remarkable, considering the... Uh, that start and after the game, one of the Pels, it might have been McCollum, uh, mentioned, you know, we just we gave up too many second chance points, which if you watch the game, didn't really stick out that way. But Dort had four offensive rebounds, Giddy had four offensive rebounds, Arkansas had three offensive rebounds, and they made the most of them. So um, I thought, here's how you know Arkansas Williams' value. Look at his second half minutes. He played over 21 minutes. So he barely came out. Uh, outside of Dort, who needed a rest whenever Ingram sat, he sat, and Dort got his jaw popped by that elbow, which was a legitimate blow. Uh, the other four starters all played at least 21 minutes in the second half. Dagnaught rolled his he he rode his starters down the stretch of that game. That's exactly what you like to see. I mean, but Jonas Valanciunas in the first half, early especially, he did look like the kid in a middle school AAU tournament where all the parents are talking about. It's yep. like, is he the right age that everybody else is? <laughs> That's right. But he was yeah. dominating that game. And then, Barry, the game really flipped in the third quarter where the Thunder outscored the Pelicans by 15. Jonas Valanciunas finished the night with 16 and 18 on nine shots. He didn't attempt a shot in the third quarter. You know, they don't run too much offense through him. I mean, a lot of his shots come off rebound. Maybe that's by design. You know, maybe he's the next Steven Adams, for all I know, and that's, that's just the way he gets his shots. But I thought that was very interesting that, that Valanciunas, he played seven and a half minutes, got no shots. Uh, he only had two rebounds, none of them, neither one offensive rebound. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was good. Anytime the Thunder took him out, I mean, anytime the Pelicans took him out, I think the Thunder was pleased. Uh, they generally played okay after that start. They played okay when he was in there, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that they're, I don't know that they're really taking advantage of that, uh, of that size discrepancy that you talked about. I don't know that New Orleans did that as much as they should have. I think they were doing it a little bit more. And then the Thunder, which was a great adjustment by Mark Dagnall, was going to a 2-3 or a 3-2 matchup zone. 
And what that did to the Pelicans was just force them into a lot more longer shots, and you had more bodies in the paint to get those boards, so it's not just Jay Will versus Valanchunas. And with all those threes, you're going to get longer rebounds, and that plays right into the Thunder's hands of wanting to get out in the fast break. And I feel like that's where the game flipped in a lot of ways. That and then Shea just deciding he wanted to be the best player on the floor again. Yeah, and he... Uh, um, the, the Thunder was was better in transition. Well, what was the fantasy? Fast break points, 13-10. Not a, no, not a huge impact on the game. But if you, if, you, if you can beat the other team down court, even if you don't get a shot at 10, you got preferable matchups in transition defense, and you can you can attack quicker and easier getting into your half-court offense. So, yeah, the Thunder fixed that rebounding, and Arkansas Williams was a big part of that. I, I was really impressed. And sometimes he literally did anything, everything he could. Some, I mean, he was in perfect position. He jumped as high. He was as physical as he could be. He jumped as high as he could be. He did everything possible to get a rebound. And Valanciunas was just too big. Tip the ball, he tipped the ball to himself or reach up and grab it. You know, it, that, that's the problem with Arkansas Williams being 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, if he was seven foot, you know, you, they'd have a monster on their hands, but he's 6'8", or 6'9". Their seven foot monster is still recovering right now, hopefully. So get him back soon. But most important play of the game, you talked about it, was um, Shea when he goes off the wrong foot on like a little step back from one of the blocks, but right before that, he gets a steal on Brandon Ingram, too. So just a two-way play. Yep. And then this scared the crap out of me. That's whenever they threw the baseball pass to um, Jackson Hayes, and I was like, oh, they're going to foul him. And then Giddy just turned the opposite way and ran away, and then he gets the ball to Brandon Ingram, who looks like he could have been fouled, but makes that three. But very, very happy to see a, a Thunder win that night. Yeah, it was, it was hard fought, but well-deserved. Very, very... Very inspirational performance, I would say. Well, we talked a little bit about like the culture and different things with the Thunder. The team they're playing tomorrow night or tonight when you're listening to this on Friday is the Wolves, who are going through a little bit of a culture shift with some things that happened on the last day of the season against the New Orleans Pelicans, where Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert got into it, and Gobert threw a punch at him. At Anderson was ended up being suspended for the Lakers game, and then Jaden McDaniels, their best perimeter defender took his frustration out and vented by punching a wall and the wall punched back and he broke his hand. So what do you think are going to be the most important um, matchups or things to look forward to in Wolves Thunder on Friday night? Well, we'll have to see if Gobert plays. He says he's playing. Um, you know, Chris Finch, the uh, Minnesota coach, said that Gobert's still dealing with some back spasms. Um the Thunder would just soon play without any big guys. Minnesota starts two twin towers. One's an offensive force, and the other one's a defensive force. I don't know how either team matches up with each other if if they play that way. Um, I guess Arkansas is on Gobert, and maybe Santa Clara is on uh, on um, on Towns, Carl Anthony yeah. Towns, or maybe maybe vice versa. I don't know. Um, the Thunder has an advantage in that Dort is going to play, so he'll be on Anthony Edwards. McDaniel's, as you mentioned, a really good defender. He's not going to play. Knucklehead busted his hand, so he can't. He's not there to take the the SGA assignment. 
So that's advantage for the Thunder. I'll just be interested to see how how much the Thunder tries to take advantage of the big guys or how much each team tries to impose its will on the other because of the, the different styles and the different makeup of these teams. I understand this is coming from somebody who watches a lot of the Thunder talking about big guys, but if Gobert doesn't play, they're only going to have one big on their roster in the rotation because Nas Reed is out for the rest of the season and it would be Carl Anthony Towns and then some small ball five with um, Kyle Anderson, but that's about it. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, we, he's still questionable. Gobert for tomorrow night with some back spasms. He even said that even if I wasn't suspended, I wouldn't have been healthy enough to play against the Lakers. So that's going to be interesting. But let's talk matchups. I think that's the most important thing. Like you mentioned, um, Dort will be on Anthony Edwards. Book it. That's going to happen. But interestingly enough, with Jaden McDaniels out, who guards Shea? And if you say, well, Anthony Edwards, he's a dynamic athlete. He can. I think that is just so much to ask for somebody who who's going to be your best offensive player being guarded by Lou Dort for 40 minutes. And then you guard Shea on the other end. Yeah. And I, if I was guessing, I would think it would be a whole bunch of different guys. Um, the way that Dort took uh, uh, Brandon Ingram last night, I don't think we'll see that uh, with what Minnesota does with SGA. She's asking too much. I can see, you know, Mike Conley back in the day was an excellent defender. Um, you don't want him on SGA for the entire game, but for a while, maybe so. Um, Kyle Anderson has been known in times past as a solid perimeter defender. He probably gets a shot at it every once in a while. You know, they Tarian Prince is um, – Probably not going to be able to stay in front of SGA much, but he's got the kind of length that Mike could bother him. Um, I don't know enough about Jalen Noel. Uh, I don't know if he's a if he's a solid defender or not. Somebody would have to tell me. Um, I know that Jordan McLaughlin, the five foot eleven point guard, is just a total pest. Sometimes desperation, you know, creates some interesting things, but it's a problem for the Timberwolves. There's no question. Uh, that they Jaden McDaniels is is who they need in that their game and and they're not going to have him so um, you know I think that's advantage that's advantage uh, Thunder what Minnesota is going to have to do is they're going to have to just try to batter this team on the board they're going to have to they're just going to have to hope Towns and if Gobert plays um, you know just maul the Thunder on the boards Carl Anthony Towns is not very good on defense but man he can play the rest of the rest of this sport unbelievable he's the best offensive center i shouldn't say that there's two really good he's he's the equal of Jokic and and Embiid as an offensive force i mean he's carl anthony towns is historic in how good he is at all elements of big man scoring and he's what Embiid wishes he was in in terms of a three-point shot maker I mean, Carl Anthony, Catman Duke, can, can can score. He can score on the block. He's he's going to be a load for the Thunder. Um, Sarge is going to have to play. Arkansas is going to have to play. I don't know what the Thunder will do if they want to go small. The good news is the uh, cat likes to hang around outside some. If you can get him to do that, I think the Thunder would be very pleased about that. Yeah, I don't think Carl Anthony Towns wants a fight, and that's why I think that it would be interesting to put a guy like J-Dub on him 
who's going to be extremely physical and get in his area and his airspace. But yeah, Cat, probably one of the best shooting centers of all time already. He's not even 10 years in. I'd take um, Embiid and Jokic a little bit more talented over him. I think sometimes he... This is something I'm looking forward to, actually, in a preview of the game, is how the Thunder will attack him on double teams because that was the book last year against the Grizzlies, Barry, is that he just could not navigate his way through a lot of the double teams that the Grizzlies threw at him. Yeah, and um, has the Thunder done much of that? I'm trying to... In my mind, I'm just picturing... They doubled uh, Jokic for a bunch of games off yeah, the Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. Of course, going forward, I was trying to think, maybe they'll get to a team that doesn't have a good big man. But the truth is, everybody's got one. Yeah. If you're a good team, everybody, except maybe the Warriors. I mean, I mean even Zubak, I think, is very effective. So uh, whether it's Anthony Davis or, or Demanda Sabonis, or even DeAndre Aitman, anybody you're going to run into is going to have a big, good, uh, a really good big man. Thunder's just going to have to eventually learn to deal with it. Last night they dealt with, you know, with with Valanciunas. I think the Wolves will try to double Shea in a similar way to the Pelicans, but they just don't have the personnel. Number one, it starts off with Herb Jones as a guy who can just kind of funnel him one way or another because you're not stopping Shea, but you can just kind of guide him one way, hopefully to more help. But this game, to me, especially if Gobert doesn't play, just screams hunting season for Shea of just all those. You remember the finals with LeBron just over and over where he just goes, where is Duncan Robinson? Bring him to me one on one. And I think that's what you're going to see from Shea is just like, where is Rudy Gobert? Where is Mike Conley? Bring or uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Bring them to me. And he's just going to cook those guys. Yeah, Um, probably so. Probably so. so it, it's looking good. You know, when when the T-Wolves beat New Orleans the other day, I was a little disappointed because I thought, you know, the Thunder could, Thunder could go to Minnesota and win. Well, it turned out they went to New Orleans and won, and so they get this trip to the Target Center anyway, even with bigger stakes. So you got to like where you're at if you're the Thunder because um, you've reached, you know, sort of what I call the second round of the NCAA tournament. You know, they, they won their, that region, that, like eight nine matchup, and now they got a a tougher game, but they're they're working on a, a really cool story, and I think they've got, got I think they got Oklahoma, the NBA's attention. I really do. I think you know haven't been on haven't been on national hardly at all. What two or three games all year? The Thunder, but if if you're the thun, if you're if you're an NBA fan or observer, and you watch that game last night, you said, "Holy, holy cow! Look at those guys!" I mean. Giddy and and uh, and Dort and and SGA and uh, you know the Santa Clara the Santa Clara and Arkansas didn't do much, but uh, Isaiah Joe was when he mentioned him, he didn't have a very good game. He's capable of coming out tomorrow night and sinking five threes, and if he does, the game turns. So you got to like where the Thunder's at. Still won't be easy, but you got to like where they're at. I haven't seen a point spread. Or, you know they were five and a half point dog at. Um, at New Orleans. I think it was five earlier today. I'll check it real quick. Five, five, five and a half dollars. again. Five and a half again. Well, I find that interesting. I thought it might be less than that. Um, well, that's interesting, but yeah, it's going to be fun. The only thing only thing we got to worry about, Michael, is uh, this West Coast thing will wear you out because uh, it's 830 and 930. If they go to Denver, I think 
most of the games are set. The Denver games are all set for 9.30. The Oklahoma City games for 8.30. So it's it's bleary, bleary eyes at the uh, at the homestead um, watching the Thunder deep into the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, you, Joe, and I are going to have to set up sleeping bags in the uh, Paycom Center media room or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it'd be fun. If it happens, if they come back, it'll be a great scene. We'll Absolutely. Playoff basketball back in OKC. Well, to transition back, I did want to ask you, because with this Gobert stuff, if you're the Wolves, let's just say take theirs first, are you really wanting him to play in this game? Because one, you're having the back spasms, and I don't know about you, but I just have major concerns about their chemistry, about bringing a guy back in like that right after you lose a game and your team's reeling in dramatic fashion after the Lakers. But I just wanted to get your perspective on it. Well, it's counterintuitive to say you don't want the best the NBA's most dominant defensive player of this generation play. But when they, when they sent him home the other day, the, uh, you know, the T wolves rallied and played well and won that game down the stretch. <laughs> the other night in LA, they outplayed the Lakers, just gave it away in the last five, six minutes, but they dominated that game. Looked really good. So they're capable of playing well without him. My impression from afar, no expert, no inside knowledge, just watching this stuff going on for the last several days. It looks like to me, if you let the T-Wolves players vote, they'd just say, Rudy, stay home. That's what it looks like to me. From what I heard from I mean, John Krasinski, who's on the, the beat for the Wolves for the Athletic, is that the team wanted him to play, but then... The uh, or the, his teammates wanted him to play against the Lakers, but the team ultimately suspended him. They were fine with him coming back, but I don't know. I think it's just a risky proposition to have that game, and you come back home, and let's say the Thunder come out to a strong start, twenty to five run. You call a timeout, you bench go bear. I just feel like mentally that would be exhausting for all those guys, and it's not exactly like they have the best mental makeup or experience on that team outside of Mike Conley. I don't think that Carl Anthony Towns is a guy that you're wanting in a foxhole. No, and Anthony Edwards is young. Um, yeah, it 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 very well could work either way. But if he plays, and there's the least sign of trouble, it could get bad in a hurry. And then, last it thing on get- that, from your perspective, I mean, we want the Thunder to win. We want them to keep playing. Would you want to see Gobert out there or not? Which do you think gives the Thunder a better chance of winning the game? Um. Oh, I'd probably say no go bear. Because at the heart of it, he's still Rudy Gobert. He's still seven foot three. He still has unbelievable defensive instincts. He still has arms that can reach across the room and pick up a you know, pick up a uh, a pillow. And this is still a Thunder team that loves to drive to the basket. So I think I'd rather drive to the basket when Tari and Prince is starting and not Rudy Gobert if I'm SGA or Santa Clara or Dort or Giddy um you always run the risk that that Rudy Gobert's shot blocking can take over the game yeah. so probably probably would say sit it out Rudy Gobert sit it out with Gobert you're gonna have a much clearer track of just mucking the game up whereas with Towns as the only guy it seems like you'd kind of almost have to win in a track meet against the Thunder which I'm sure the Thunder would be very happy to do. 
Yeah, they'll want to run it, no doubt about it. You know, the, this T-Wolf team is not terribly young. I mean, Connolly, Gobert, Cat's not a spring chicken. Uh, Kyle Anderson's been around for a long time. So it's a veteran team. Anthony Edwards is a young star, going to be great. Um, but for the most part, it's it's more of an advanced, aged team, no doubt about it. Well, then the last thing you hear, I have some keys slash biggest questions that I'll just throw your way and we can react to it and discuss those. But okay. how fast does uh, Shea start out? Coming off his worst half of the season, only scoring single digits in the first half against the Pelicans, what does he look like coming out of the gate? He tends to even things out, so I'll bet he has a strong start. Um, this The SGA that we see night after night after night, it's not necessarily the SGA we'll see in the playoffs because the teams are better. The defenses are better. The focus is better. So he might have a little bit more struggle than usual. But if I was going to guess, does he start strong? I would say yes, because he tends to not do too much bad multiple times in a row. Yeah, and I'd lean that way uh, too. I just think it's a it's a tough situation to be in to have your best player off for the entire first half again. And luckily the Thunder were, you know, really supported by Lou Dort's hot run and knock on wood, hopefully that happens again, but you never know. Which leads me to another question. Is elimination game Dort scoring a real thing and can it be replicated again? Or is this just another one-off thing? Because he's been, obviously, one of his major concerns offensively is just how up and down he's been efficiency-wise. If he does it, again, it's a thing. To do it again would be incredible because to do it three straight times in in a do-or-die game would be – I mean, I, I was thinking yesterday afternoon, what if Dort had another huge game like he did in, in the bubble? Well, he dang near did, almost a, an exact replica. So I don't – you know, he's not a superstar. Very few non-superstars produce three straight unbelievable games. That's what keeps him from being a superstar. So I'm not going to, I'd have to guess that he doesn't, that he sort of has a normal game. It would be cool, even if he's not making threes, it'd be cool if he, if he finished drives. If he can finish drives, that's that would be a long way towards winning this game for the Thunder. He doesn't have to be as spectacular as he was on Wednesday night, but if he can just thread the needle and be right in between of his average and that night, right. I think the Thunder yep. are going to be in a very strong position. Next up, similar question with Josh Giddy: Can he string back-to-back -back good shooting games together? On Wednesday, he goes 50% from the field and 3 of 7 from 3 on top of the 6 of 7 from the line that we talked about. Only two turnovers and 42 minutes. Just one of his best games of his career, but can he string another great shooting percentage uh, game together again. I think so. Here's what I like about Giddy. When he's missed most of this year, he's it looks good. Unlike Dort, even Dort last night, one of his misses in the second half was a clunker. Missed the rim, hit the side of the back, hit the backboard to the side of the rim from straight on. Poku's that way. Sometimes when they miss, they miss badly. Giddy hadn't been missing badly. Last year he did, and this year not so much. I think I think his Im shooting improvement is real. I think he's capable. I don't know if I want him to take in seven threes because he might go one for seven, but um, I don't mind him trying the threes now, and he 
he goes so strong to the hole. As long as he's going to the basket, I'll let him shoot a three every once in a while. And I don't know that the T-Wolves – T-Wolves would probably put somebody like Tarian Prince on, somebody big. Um, I don't, You're not going to see Conley on him. Um, if they do, that's know. bad news. Yeah, that's bad yeah, that's news. Bad, no, that's real bad news. Um, of course, I don't know who he could cover on this team because Dort – I love Mike Conley. He's my favorite NBA player, literally, now that Manu Ginobili's gone. But – he doesn't really match up any with anybody physically, but um, I think Giddy, I think Giddy's capable of another big game. I really do. Next question: Who steps up off the bench, or does anyone step off the uh, up off the bench for the Thunder? The Thunder only had 14 points off the bench on Wednesday. Seven of those from Aaron Wiggins. I think your good friend Isaiah Joe will have a good game. He's been he's played too good to not. Um, I think he could hit multiple threes. A three for six, a four for nine type day. Get that. You know, if Isaiah Joe has 11, 12 points last night, then the Thunder bench looks a lot better. They had 14 bench points, none in the second half. But that's with only three from Isaiah Joe. And this team is built for him to score 13, 14 points uh, the last two or three months. So that's what I think uh, is the key, is if Isaiah Joe can score – because Wiggins plays about the same. He's a good, solid player. Sarich is Sarich. Um, if, if Isaiah Joe has a, an Isaiah Joe a game, then the bench has done its job. I think he'll have a decent chance to bounce back. He has a much better matchup against this Wolves team than against the Pelicans, who just have all that wing depth and just length throughout the, their roster of guys who can kind of attack him. Or you can stick him on a Jordan McLaughlin. You can stick, stick him on a Mike Conley and feel pretty decent about it. So I'm with you. Um, can Jada bounce back efficiency wise? He had yeah, I think so. one of those games where he finally kind of looked like a rookie. Yeah, I think so. Again, most of his shots looked okay. He wasn't missing badly. And that's what I go by. I mean, anybody hits her. Steph Curry can hit the rim six times in a row. So I think he'll be all right. Um, and like I said, I'd be worried if he didn't play well, but he played well. He just didn't shoot well. So I think I think that'll turn out okay. I really do. How do the Thunder handle Carl Anthony Towns? We talked about this and touched on it earlier, but I think it's going to be one of those things like where they they double him off the catch on a lot of things and they just try to beat him up as much as they can. I'd, I I'd try to double him on the block. He's hard to cover at 14. That 13, 12 footer, it's hard to do. He wants to launch threes. You know, I don't get – he contest them, but – be okay with him shooting threes. That's what I that's what I would do. And remember, you know, the Lakers showed this. If you slow down Anthony Edwards, that team's hard pressed to win. Um, what was he? Two of fifteen or three of fourteen, something crazy against the Lakers. If you can if, and, and they got the guy to do it with Dort, and they got the guys that can switch off. You know, the great thing about the Thunder is if you run pick and roll. You're likely to end up with SGA or, or or Santa Clara on him, so they they don't have a lot of weak links on defense. So um, keeping Catmandu is too good to hold down to 13 points, but I think you can you got a better chance of really limiting um, uh, Anthony Edwards. So I think that's that's what I would try to do. And 
make life miserable for him and take your chances. Yeah, Anthony Edwards on Tuesday night, 3 of 17 from the field, 0 of 9 from 3. Yeah. Tough yeah. one. But Not I'm with good. you. I'd go at Towns. And that leads me to the next part is how often do the Thunder attack Carl Anthony Towns? I talked about it, just the hunter's mentality of just where he is and find him. But the Lakers did a lot of that, especially LeBron late in the game, because Carl Anthony Towns definitely has a knack for picking up fouls. He had five fouls for large portions of that game. Yeah, he's a foul trouble. He's, he, 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 he was born in foul trouble. So I like the idea of attacking him a lot because they got guys that can do it. That's the one thing. Santa Clara, Giddy, SGA. And he's not a good defender. He does foul. They could they could put him on the bench rather quickly, and that would be a really good thing uh, for the Thunder. And then the last question I had is just how will Anthony Edwards bounce back? Obviously, he's not going to play that badly again, but I do wonder if the Thunder will employ very similar tactics as the Lakers did, where it's just like pushing him and funneling him into the lane to multiple defenders and just saying anybody but him. Yeah, I... He's too good to play like that again. I think he will be effective. But he's still capable of a poor shooting night. I mean, he can he can have a big night and make, you know, he can score 34 points, but he might go 12 of 31. And if he does that, hey, you live with it. You take it and you say, hey, that's good for us. So you just don't want him to have a, a 15 of 28 night and score 41 points. So the, to me, the efficiency matters. The point total, not as much. The, the Lakers got both low efficiency, low point total, and won the game. Um, the Lakers have more defensive weapons than does the Thunder, but um, but the Lakers don't have Lou against Dort, who will wake up tomorrow morning ready to go. Lou, Lou would tip it off at 9 a.m. if that's what they want to do. He's, re he's ready. He's ready to guard Anthony Edwards right now. He's got his jersey on, his shirt yeah. tucked in, shoes on, tied up and everything right now. But yeah, I'm with you. Anthony Edwards, if you can make him beat you, if he beats you on jump shots, tip your hat to him. That's just how it is. But it can't be something where he just gets to the line over and over and gets into the lane and just kills you on the interior. And then right. the very last thing, Barry, that I want to ask you is, do you have a prediction on who wins? Um, I guess this would come out on Friday, so tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, you know, I picked New Orleans to win, and, and the Thunder proved me wrong. So, I, you know what? I'm starting to ride the Thunder wave. I'll pick, I'll pick the Thunder. I'll pick the Thunder in a fairly high-scoring game, one, one of those 120-118 type games. Um, I just think they've, they, they looked shaky down the stretch, but they were tired. And they're not as tired now. They got six days off. From that Thursday night in Utah until Wednesday night in New Orleans, so I think I think they're refreshed, rejuvenated, and I think I think maybe they get it done and make the dang Western Conference playoffs. I'm with you. It's like you read in my mind. I think it's high scoring. I think it's the Thunder coming out with a win in one of those like 120s to 118 games. But um, it's going to be very interesting. We're definitely going to be back on Tuesday to talk more Thunder basketball, if not sooner. Uh, Barry, thank you so much for coming on with me. We definitely have a lot to look forward to, and hopefully we will be, the next time we're talking to you guys, it'll be about a preview of Game 1 versus the Denver Nuggets on Sunday. Fantastic. Look forward to it, Michael. Awesome. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Thanks again for joining our raffle that we did for the jersey last week on that giveaway. We got a ton of um, support on that, so that was great. But thank you so much for listening. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back 
again next time to talk some more Thunder Basketball.